0: Hey, welcome to BIV today. This is the Daily Business News Podcast from Business in Vancouver Newspaper and BIV.com. I'm BIV reporter Tyler Orton, and I'm here doing today's show at home. I think that's a very familiar scenario for many workers who've had the opportunity to shift the to remote working amid the pandemic and I think, though, employers are still trying to figure out how to monitor workers. And that brings us to today's topic, employee surveillance technology. Our guest has co-authored a study examining sentiment towards such tools. And I'd like to welcome to the show, Carrie Doberstein. He is an assistant professor of political science at the University of British Columbia. Carrie, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: So I'm interested, before we kind of get into the really, you know, nitty gritty of it all, this study is focused on the public sector. And I I want to also kind of ask you, though, what kinds of surveillance tools are we talking about when when you uh, went forward with this study?
1: Sure, yeah. To provide you a little context, it's sort of interesting as an academic when you decide how to pursue a particular topic Me and my co-author Etienne Charbonneau from the National School of Public Admin in uh, Quebec, we actually designed this project back in the fall of 2019, really trying to capture trends in remote working within the public sector. But this is really informed by what we see um, on the frontiers of this in the private sector. Um, This is where we see the most penetration of these kind of technologies uh, that, Report to sort of surveil or monitor uh, employee activity remotely. And so what we're talking about when we talk about workplace surveillance, particularly the digital kind, are all sorts of items. So uh, mainly with regard to computer use. Although we do see um, really advanced uh, and sometimes somewhat creepy technologies used such as a badge employees will wear that actually records their audio and the pitch of their voice and who they interact with. Um, But generally speaking, we're talking about computer-based technology that can range from merely um, monitoring your emails for keywords that can uh, be used with an artificial intelligence system to sort of assess the mood of the office, so to speak. Um, Keystroke analysis uh, for the amount of typing you're doing per minute. Um, even more aggressive attempts of surveillance, such as a random photo capture via the webcam on one's computer. So there's a, quite a bit of range of products that are offered for both the private and public sector uh, workers in this realm.
0: I can only imagine the response from my colleagues if our boss suggested that we wear cards that's kind of record you know, the pitch of our voice, something like that. Uh, what are you finding out though? Uh, not necessarily with that technology in particular, because uh, as you said, it's probably one of the more insidious kinds out there, but generally what is sentiment like with regards to the proposition of introducing these tools into people's, like I guess what they're now home offices at this point?
1: That's right. I mean, I'm coming to you from um, my home as well, where as, as a academic I've been working out of uh, since the pandemic began. And this is true with uh, public sector workers too, basically overnight. Canada's entire public sector went, remote, where possible. And so, um, ultimately what we found, by the way, we just surveyed um, both uh, a large group of Canadians, not necessarily public sector workers, plus public sector workers uh, in a separate panel study, uh, to assess 12 different types of technology uh, for their, their assessment of their reasonableness of use and their level of intrusiveness. Um, In their opinion, when targeted towards a public sector worker. And basically, what we found across varying levels of, in our view, intrusiveness, so from fairly minor surveillance to very extreme uh, uh, surveillance, like the badges I talked about. um, And basically, we found almost all of them are considered unreasonable and uh, overly intrusive by the respondents. So it's not merely the public sector workers that find this intrusive and unreasonable, but the general Canadian public would find it unreasonable for surveilling public
0: sector workers. It's also interesting, though, because I, I did not realize that you guys actually set out to do this back in the fall, and, and I'm sure, as you noticed, uh, as the pandemic has accelerated many trends, that this is actually a kind of a very timely subject. Do you anticipate that maybe the pandemic, it, it's bringing employers around this idea of implementing it more and more? And Is there any supposition on your part you can offer at this point with regards to how the pandemic might influence, say, employees' uh, attitudes as well?
1: Right. That's a good question. And it's hard to say because we actually designed the study back in the fall, but we released it in March. So truly when 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 the pandemic was reaching the Canadian shores and getting quite serious. So... Um, it's not as if we were clearly before the pandemic or clearly in the middle of it when we, when we asked people about this, but it was certainly on their mind. I mean, what we know when we look at the private sector's use of this is that these are very attractive technologies for many private sector employers. They're quite widespread, not without controversy. We can talk about how private sector employees have reacted in many cases to some of these um these more aggressive surveillance technologies. Um, But what we see, I think, is the public sector tends to follow the the private sector in, in many realms. And what we think this data can speak to is what the public sector is likely to encounter in terms of employee reaction if these technologies were to be introduced. So really, all we see right now in the public sector are... The sort of standard types of digital surveillance that exists like monitoring emails which we know all organizations have the ability to do this whether they devote a lot of resource to this is another question but that technology is more or less built into to any environment but the use of you know digital cameras and then taking pictures or those are these technologies where you can put a, a sensor under the desk so you sort of uh, the employer gets an estimate of how much time they're spending at their desk and registers their heart rate as some sort of proxy estimate for productivity. Um, and so, I think what, what our data suggests is that, at least in the public sector, uh, we would we would expect the public sector employers to find a lot of resistance among uh, employees. And the public would be behind them in terms of that resistance. So the conversation is a bit different, though, with respect to the private sector and the public sector, and we can talk about that if you want. Obviously, in the private sector, an employer enters into a contract with an employee, and they can more or less do whatever they like, and the employee can take it or leave it. There are really no or very few privacy uh, expectations in law uh, in the private sector. The public sector is a bit different because, of course, you can embed some of these expectations about privacy within collective agreements. Um, and I think this is where our data can point to those professional associations and say, look, your your membership uh, would find this quite intrusive um, and, and thus could be a priority looking forward to the future when we see the potential for remote working to be institutionalized um, in a more widespread manner, assuming the pandemic um, ends uh, at some point.
0: Well, I, I have to say, if I knew that, I don't know, there were monitors you know, checking about whether or not I, I was absent from my desk, um, I don't know, my personal stress levels, they, they might be elevated a little bit, but what do you think that it could poise for, say, I don't know, just company morale, if a lot of people knew that they were being monitored at all times?
1: Absolutely. So um, it's quite well established in the literature, uh, in organizational studies, that when employees feel over-surveilled, and a lot of this is established pre-digital surveillance, um, when people feel over-surveilled, their, their trust in their, their supervisors and the organization as a whole is diminished, morale uh, suffers, and even, even, you know, anger is the product uh, of feeling over-surveilled. And so it is not without cost that an employer contemplates putting these technologies into their organization. Um, It may achieve productivity gains on the margins depending on the technology used. If you have evidence, for example, that remote working has resulted in some shirking of duties that um, are unacceptable to you in your workplace, perhaps some light surveillance um, could encourage or discourage a little bit of shirking uh, and productivity. But some of these more extreme technologies, in our reading of uh, news coverage of them, in in uh, certain private sector organizations, have more or less led to a revolt among employees. So the Telegraph newspaper in the UK had that um, that device I was talking about beneath desks that was sort of counting the time in front of the desk, reading their um, their heart rate, etc. And in a matter of months, the employees revolted and, and the technology was removed. So. That's just sort of one example of employees sort of pushing back on this. But, um, of course, not all employees sort of have that power in this type of relationship. And many employees will simply have to accept uh, surveillance uh, within their work environment.
0: I'm curious though, but is there a bit of a divide between demographics, maybe in terms of age? Because you know, uh, technology has been with young people since the day they were born. I remember I, I've had uh, internet since I was eight, but I remember my brothers, it was just part of their lives ever since my younger brothers, ever since they grew up. And I, I'm wondering if your study looked into how age actually plays a role in sentiment towards these tools.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Tyler. So we we did think it it would. And so uh, for this reason, we explicitly carved out a disproportionate amount of our sample to grab young people basically. To make sure we had enough young people in our sample of this survey to to really see if there was an age based um, effect here. And surprisingly, young people in many cases were more resistant to the more, more intrusive digital surveillance technologies than older cohorts. This was quite surprising given I think what you said and what I generally believe about young people and their use of technologies in their personal lives which just you know as evidenced by their use of them uh, seem to have uh, less problem with privacy invasions um, in their personal life right so with Facebook, Instagram, etc. The fact that we did not observe that when getting them to imagine a Professional context, a work context is interesting. Um, We don't really have an explanation for that. Perhaps it's they really conceptualize personal space versus professional life as quite different. Um, Perhaps, although it's hard to imagine, young people don't really appreciate how invasive their social media platforms and apps are. Um, But ultimately, I think. Well, the implications of that for from our perspective is that, at least in the public sector, they're very concerned with renewal and making sure they can recruit young people to form the next generation of leadership in the public sector. And merely hoping that young people have a greater tolerance for digital surveillance that will allow this to become institutionalized in the future is an incorrect assumption based on the findings of our studies. They are as resistant, and in some cases, more resistant to some of the more intrusive technologies that we, um, we put in front of them in this survey.
0: Well, I, I think back about when I could have considered myself a young person. I, I just graduated from university, and, and my first job was actually at a, a technology company, a very large one. And they were very upfront about it. They said that uh, your monitors are being recorded at all times. Um, this is pre-smartphone era. So they said, if you wanna to go to this bank of computers, you can go surf online, turn your breaks. That's where you can have kind of your, your free time there. They, they were very upfront about delineating what was work-related and what was not. Do you think that you know employers, if they're going to implement this, that they have to have a very transparent conversation with employees' expect- expectations, et cetera.
1: Absolutely, and so there, I mean, there's a there's a legal component to this, which you know, if um, a lot of jurisprudence has been established around you know old types of surveillance, like cameras, for example. And so, most courts have found that hidden cameras—if you don't tell people there are cameras in your workplace, and they um, don't have a reasonable expectation of there being a hidden camera—that uh, can run afoul with the law. So. That's just one sort of obvious example of the transparency that's required on technology. Um, But it's a good idea, I think, for employers to be um, transparent and ideally proactive with their employees about the use of these technologies. And one interesting finding in in our study that relates to this is the technologies that garnered the most tolerance, although still considered unreasonable and intrusive, were the ones that had a a clear performance link established with them. So, so for example, keystroke analysis, um, quite intrusive, but people in our sample, more so than the badges people would wear to listen to what they say, keystroke analysis, according to our respondents, at least had that link to performance. Like there might be a relationship between the number of words you type and the way you use computer and your productivity. And so that provides a bit of a hint as to how an employer, whether the public or private sector can approach their, their workforce with these technologies and really be explicit about what the purpose is behind them and say, look, we're not just trying to like watch your body the entire day um, because we, you know, we're, we're nosy. We have, you know, We've seen, for example, in the, in the context of a room, um, shift to remote working, slightly less productivity. We're trying to address this with this type of technology. And then engaging in that discussion um, collaboratively with employees would be, I think, a wiser strategy than simply, you know, stuffing it into an employment contract where people don't really read. And then people later discover that they are being um, surveilled their entire time in ways that make them uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, you know, this might just be your own personal opinion at this point, nothing that you touched on with regards to the study, but do you think the adoption of these tools, it might just be inevitable at this point as we see this acceleration of trends brought on by the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that certainly, as you say, gets me into speculation. I think, I mean, when we look at news reports, we see we see at the onset of the pandemic, internet searches for these types of work workplace surveillance technology shot up dramatically. Um, we, you know, we need that investigative reporting uh, within the business community and the public sector to really get a measure of whether that has actually increased, although um, intuition suggests it has increased. Whether in the long term, it is uh, something that works to the competitive advantage of an organization is unclear. We really have to see what the employee's reaction to this really intrusive uh, surveillance can be. You can imagine that uh, multiple scenarios, light surveillance could increase the productivity of an organization, thus giving incentive to more more organizations to adopt this. Alternatively, you can imagine, uh, you know, we go in a direction where the most aggressive technology is put in place and it prompts a massive reaction um and and fleet of employees from particular organizations which sort of you know uh and then the movement sort of flames out i imagine it would probably land somewhere in between and i think what our data can speak to is as every as in anything in life balance i think is key there are legitimate uh, objectives of employers whether in the public or private sector to promote a productive workforce
0: well Fascinating stuff that you are studying here. I'm totally interested in what the future holds for these surveillance tools. But in the meantime, Carrie, I just want to thank you for joining us on the show. And that was Carrie Doberstein. He is an assistant professor of political science at UBC. And that is it for the show today. But you can find more interviews and more stories at VIB.com or else pick up our weekly newspaper. In the meantime, I'm Tyler Orton and I want to thank everybody for listening today.